chapter fourteen of paul clifford by edward bulwer lytton this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter fourteen servant get away i say wid dat nasty bell punch do you call this a bell patting it it is an organ servant i say it is a bell a nasty bell punch i say it is an organ striking him with it what do you say it is now servant an organ mr punch the tragical comedy of punch and judy the next morning before lucy and her father had left their apartments brandon who was a remarkably early riser had disturbed the luxurious mall leverer in his first slumber although the courtier possessed a villa some miles from bath he preferred a lodging in the town both as being warmer than a rarely inhabited country-house and as being to an indolent man more immediately convenient for the gaieties and the waters of the medicinal city as soon as the earl had rubbed his eyes stretched himself and prepared himself for the untimeous colloquy brandon poured forth his excuses for the hour he had chosen for a visit mention it not my dear brandon said the good-natured nobleman with a sigh i am glad at any hour to see you and i am very sure that what you have to communicate is always worth listening to it was only upon public business though of rather a more important description than usual that i ventured to disturb you answered brandon seating himself on a chair by the bedside this morning an hour ago i received by private express a letter from london stating that a new arrangement will positively be made in the cabinet nay naming the very promotions and changes i confess that as my name occurred as also your own in these nominations i was anxious to have the benefit of your necessarily accurate knowledge on the subject as well as of your advice really brandon said malevera with a half peevish smile any other hour in the day would have done for the business of the nation as the newspapers call that troublesome farce we go through and i had imagined you would not have broken my nightly slumbers except for something of real importance the discovery of a new beauty or the invention of a new dish neither the one nor the other could you have expected from me my dear lord rejoined brandon you know the dry trifles in which a lawyer's life wastes itself away and beauties and dishes have no attraction for us except the former be damsels deserted and the latter patents invaded but my news after all is worth hearing unless you have heard it before not i but i suppose i shall hear it in the course of the day pray heaven i be not sent for to attend some plague of a council begin in the first place lord duberly resolves to resign unless this negotiation for peace be made a cabinet question pshaw let him resign i have opposed the peace so long that it is out of the question of course lord wanstead will not think of it and he may count on my burrows a peace shameful disgraceful dastardly proposition but my dear lord my letter says that this unexpected firmness on the part of lord daberly has produced so great a sensation that seeing the impossibility of forming a durable cabinet without him the king has consented to the negotiation and daberly stays in the devil what next 
grafton and sternhold go out in favour of baldwin and charlton and in the hope that you will lend your aid to i said lord malevarer very angrily i lend my aid to baldwin the jacobin and charlton the son of a brewer very true continued brandon but in the hope that you might be persuaded to regard the new arrangements with an indulgent eye you are talked of instead of the duke of you know for the vacant garter and the office of chamberlain you don't mean it cried malevarer starting from his bed a few other but i hear chiefly legal promotions are to be made among the rest my learned brother the democrat sarsden is to have a silk gown cromwell is to be attorney-general and between ourselves they have offered me a judgeship but the garter said malevarer scarcely hearing the rest of the lawyer's news the whole object aim and ambition of my life how truly kind in the king after all continued the earl laughing and throwing himself back opinions are variable truth is not uniform the times change not we and we must have peace instead of war your maxims are indisputable and the conclusion you come to is excellent said brandon why you and i my dear fellow said the earl who know men and who have lived all our lives in the world must laugh behind the scenes at the cant we wrap in tinsel and send out to stalk across the stage we know that our coriolanus of tory integrity is a corporal kept by a prostitute and the brutus of whig liberty is a lackey turned out of place for stealing the spoons but we must not tell this to the world so brandon you must write me a speech for the next session and be sure it has plenty of general maxims and concludes with my bleeding country the lawyer smiled you consent then to the expulsion of sternhold and rafton for after all that is the question our british vessel as the derned metaphor mongers call the state carries the public good safe in the hold like brandy and it is only when fear storm or the devil makes the rogues quarrel among themselves and break up the casks that one gets above a thimbleful at a time we should go on fighting with the rest of the world for ever if the ministers had not taken to fight among themselves as for sternhold said the earl tis a vulgar dog and voted for economical reform besides i don't know him he may go to the devil for aught i care but rafton must be dealt handsomely with or despite the garter i will fall back among the whigs who after all give tolerable dinners but why my lord must rafton be treated better than his brother recusant because he sent me in the handsomest manner possible a pipe of that wonderful madeira which you know i consider the chief grace of my cellars and he gave up a canal navigation bill which would have enriched his whole county when he knew that it would injure my property no brandon curse public cant we know what that is but we are gentlemen and our private friends must not be thrown overboard unless at least we do it in the civilest manner we can fear not said the lawyer you have only to say the word and the cabinet can cook up an embassy to he and send rafton there with a stipend of five thousand a year ah that's well thought of or we might give him a grant of a hundred thousand acres in one of the colonies or let him buy crown land at a discount of eighty per cent so that's settled and now my dear friend said brandon i will tell you frankly why i come so early i am required to give a hasty answer to the proposal i have received namely of the judgeship your opinion a judgeship you a judge what forsake your brilliant career for so petty a dignity you jest not at all listen you know how bitterly 
i have opposed this peace and what hot enemies i have made among the new friends of the administration on the one hand these enemies insist on sacrificing me and on the other if i were to stay in the lower house and speak for what i have before opposed i should forfeit the support of a great portion of my own party hated by one body and mistrusted by the other a seat in the house of commons ceases to be an object it is proposed that i should retire on the dignity of a judge with the positive and pledged though secret promise of the first vacancy among the chiefs the place of chief justice or chief baron is indeed the only fair remuneration for my surrender of the gains of my profession and the abandonment of my parliamentary and legal career the title which will of course be attached to it might go at least by an exertion of interest to the eldest son of my niece in case she married a commoner or added he after a pause her second son in case she married a peer ha true said malevra quickly and as if struck by some sudden thought and your charming niece brandon would be worthy of any honour either to her children or herself you do not know how struck i was with her there is something so graceful in her simplicity and in her manner of smoothing down the little rugosities of warlock house there was so genuine and so easy a dignity that i declare i almost thought myself young again and capable of the self-cheat of believing myself in love but oh brandon imagine me at your brother's board me for whom ortolans are too substantial and who feel when i tread the slightest inequality of the carpets of tournay imagine me dear brandon in a black wainscot room hung round with your ancestors in brown wigs with posies in their buttonhole an immense fire on one side and a thorough draught on the other a huge circle of beef before me smoking like vesuvius and twice as large a plateful the plate was pewter is there not a metal so called of this mingled flame and lava sent under my very nostril and upon pain of ill-breeding to be dispatched down my proper mouth an old gentleman in fustian breeches and worsted stockings by way of a butler filling me a can of ale and your worthy brother asking me if i would not prefer port a lean footman in livery such a livery ye gods scarlet blue yellow and green a rainbow ill-made on the opposite side of the table looking at the lord with eyes and mouth equally open and large enough to swallow me and your excellent brother himself at the head of the table glowing through the mists of the beef like the rising sun in a signpost and then brandon turning from this image behold beside me the fair delicate aristocratic yet simple loveliness of your niece and but you look angry i have offended you it was high time for malevra to ask that question for during the whole of the earl's recital the dark face of his companion had literally burned with rage and here we may observe how generally selfishness which makes the man of the world prevents its possessor by a sort of paradox from being consummately so for malevra occupied by the pleasure he felt at his own wit and never having that magic sympathy with others which creates the incessantly keen observer had not for a moment thought that he was offending to the quick the hidden pride of the lawyer nay so little did he suspect brandon's real weaknesses that he thought him a philosopher who would have laughed alike at principles and people however near to him might be the latter and however important the former mastering by a single effort which restored his cheek to its usual steady hue the outward signs of his displeasure brandon rejoined offend me by no means my dear lord 
i do not wonder at your painful situation in an old country gentleman's house which has not for centuries offered scenes fit for the presence of so distinguished a guest never i may say since the time when sir charles de brandon entertained elizabeth at warlock and your ancestor you know my old musty studies on those points of obscure antiquity john maleverer who was a noted goldsmith of london supplied the plate for the occasion fairly retorted said maleverer smiling for though the earl had a great contempt for low birth set on high places in other men he was utterly void of pride in his own family fairly retorted but i never meant anything else but a laugh at your brother's housekeeping a joke surely permitted to a man whose own fastidiousness on these matters is so standing a jest but by heavens brandon to turn from these subjects your niece is the prettiest girl i have seen for twenty years and if she would forget my being the descendant of john maleverer the noted goldsmith of london she may be lady maleverer as soon as she pleases nay now let us be serious and talk of the judgeship said brandon affecting to treat the proposal as a joke by the soul of sir charles de brandon i am serious cried the earl and as a proof of it i hope you will let me pay my respects to your niece to-day not with my offer in my hand yet for it must be a love-match on both sides and the earl glancing towards an opposite glass which reflected his attenuated but comely features beneath his velvet nightcap trimmed with mechelin laughed half triumphantly as he spoke a sneer just passed the lips of brandon and as instantly vanished while maleverer continued and as for the judgeship dear brandon i advise you to accept it though you know best and i do think no man will stand a fairer chance of the chief justiceship or though it be somewhat unusual for common lawyers why not the woolsack itself as you say the second son of your niece might inherit the dignity of a peerage well i will consider of it favourably said brandon and soon afterwards he left the nobleman to renew his broken repose i can't laugh at that man said maleverer to himself as he turned round in his bed though he has much that i should laugh at in another and faith there is one little matter i might well scorn him for if i were not a philosopher tis a pretty girl his niece and with proper instructions might do one credit besides she has sixty thousand pounds ready money and faith i have not a shilling for my own pleasure though i have or alas had fifty thousand a year for that of my establishment in all probability she will be the lawyer's heiress and he must have made at least as much again as her portion nor is he poor devil a very good life moreover if he rise to the peerage and the second son well well it will not be such a bad match for the goldsmith's descendant either with that thought lord maleverer fell asleep he rose about noon dressed himself with unusual pains and was just going forth on a visit to miss brandon when he suddenly remembered that her uncle had not mentioned her address or his own he referred to the lawyer's note of the preceding evening no direction was inscribed on it and maleverer was forced with much chagrin to forego for that day the pleasure he had promised himself in truth the wary lawyer who as we have said despised show and outward appearances as much as any man was yet sensible of their effect even in the eyes of a lover and moreover lord maleverer was one whose habits of life were calculated to arouse a certain degree of vigilance on points of household pomp even in the most unobservant brandon therefore resolved that lucy should not be visited by her 
admirer till the removal to their new abode was effected nor was it till the third day from that on which malevolor had held with brandon the interview we have recorded that the earl received a note from brandon seemingly turning only on political matters but inscribed with the address and direction in full form malevolor answered it in person he found lucy at home and more beautiful than ever and from that day his mind was made up as the mammas say and his visits became constant End of chapter 14